Welcome in, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And all right. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's that's really all I can say on this matter. We're in the 11th hour right now. Um, I... I'll be I'll be a hundred percent honest and transparent. I have lost some listeners. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm not complaining. Um, it's fine. But I lost some listeners. I figured I would. Whenever I, you know, kind of pleaded with everybody to wear a mask, um, even though I, you know, repeatedly try, you know, tried to get my point across that it was just for football. No other reason, you know, I'm not, I didn't create this show. I don't, I don't plan on using this platform to lay out any kind of political agenda or a whole lot of personal beliefs, you know. Um, it's just for football, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I just want us to do whatever we can to make sure football happens. Um, I think it's good that the president I mean, it's good for football that the president is finally, you know, encouraging people to wear a mask and social distance, you know, so, you know, maybe, maybe everybody that left the show, you know, after I asked them to, you know, wear a mask, maybe, you know, now that, you know, the president, the man in charge is asking people to wear masks, maybe they'll come back. Um, if not, not a big deal. The ones who stuck around, y'all are the real MVPs. <laughs> Oh man, I don't have that sounder. I need that sounder. Um, but I'm going to digress from that. We are going to continue our series um, on the Dynasty Outlook division by division. Today we will be tackling the NFC North. We did the AFC North on the last episode. We're doing the NFC North today and... I have a personal vested interest in this one. This is going to hurt my feelings a little bit to do. Um, you know, most of these I will be going in alphabetical order, but not this one <laughs> because I mean, we all know I've said it multiple times on these airwaves. I'm a green Bay Packers fan and you know, I, I want to save my green Bay Packers takes for last. So let's just jump on into it and start with the Chicago bears we have Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. And, you know, we have Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery at running back. Allen Robinson, um, Anthony Miller, I believe Ted Ginn signed there at wide receiver. We have a, a whole slew of tight ends, you know, Adam Shaheen, Jimmy Graham, the rookie, Cole Komet. Um, but let's start at the quarterback position with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I'm not a fan of the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers fan, but that doesn't mean I can't give an unbiased opinion. And so I want to start with the quarterbacks, Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky. I think it's clear that they want Nick Foles to be the starter. Um, I kind of hope that he isn't as a Green Bay fan because... You know, they've got some money tied up in Nick Foles and it's just going to, it would just be better for me if they tie up a bunch of money into a guy that 
they can't even get on the field. So, but no, I fully expect it to be Nick Foles. I think they brought him in for a reason. I don't think they brought him in to push Mitchell Trubisky. I think they expect him to be the starter. Um, but even with me expecting Nick Foles to be the starter at the beginning of the season, I I, I know it's, it's kind of weird to project a quarterback carousel, but I mean, let's be honest. Nick Foles is who he is, right? We know who Nick Foles is. We know that he is more than likely to be the Clark Kent version of Nick Foles rather than the Superman Super Bowl version of Nick Foles. So, I mean, I fully expect you know him to go out there and kind of look like we all know him to, you know, be a majority of the time, in which case they'll want to get Mitchell Trubisky involved, um, you know, just to make sure that he's not, you know, the guy of the future, or maybe, maybe it is a Ryan Tannehill type situation, right? Where he needed to be, maybe he needed to be humbled a little bit, you know, sit in a reserve role. And then, I don't know, maybe just take a step back and work on himself, whatever it was, I don't know. Maybe it was just the right place, the right time. Um, but I fully expect it to kind of be a quarterback carousel to some extent in Chicago, which I don't love for the other fantasy options. I think it kind of caps the upside a little bit. But to me, it doesn't cap anything with my man, Allen Robinson at wide receiver. Um, this dude had like 150 targets, I think last year, um, top 10. I think he was the wide receiver eight in PPR wide receiver 10 in standard, um, a sneaky, a sneaky wide receiver one season, right? I mean, anybody who owned him, like I said, I owned him in some redraft leagues last year and um, I kind of took it for granted just cause it wasn't always, it wasn't always super sexy, but it was, it was pretty steady. Um, obviously just getting fed targets. Um, I've expressed my, you know, my fondness for Allen Robinson multiple times on the show. I have him as a, I, I believe my wide receiver 11 in dynasty. So, you know, I'm all aboard Allen Robinson. Um, you know, I think, you know, when he, when he first moved to Chicago, he, maybe it was him coming off the ACL injury. Maybe it was him trying to get acclimated you know, he didn't look like the Allen Robinson that we remembered from the 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown season. Um, but, you know, last year in 2019, he looked awesome. He looked like one of the better wide receiver talents in the league. They didn't bring in much target competition. You know, they I mean, they drafted Cole Komet. They drafted Jimmy Graham, or they signed Jimmy Graham. They brought in Ted Ginn. Not worried about any of those guys, honestly. Um, he should get fed a bunch of targets in 2019 or in 2020, as I think Anthony Miller will as well. Um, you know, he kind of came on. You know, he he had a pretty decent rookie season. I remember he scored seven touchdowns, playing through a shoulder injury last season. Kind of came on there at the end, had some good weeks, and you know, I mean. I know the running backs can steal some targets there, but I think Anthony Miller is going to get some work. He's going to, I mean, you know, he's going into year three. 
he's going to have the opportunity to really be the number two in that passing game. Um, I know a lot of people liked, myself included, we liked him coming into the NFL. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, he showed, you know, he showed we can, he's flashed what he can do throughout his two years in the NFL thus far. He doesn't really have anybody, you know, outside the running back position to compete with targets for. I mean, as far as being second, you know, the second on the totem pole. And I, I mean, I expect Chicago to be throwing the ball plenty, um, plenty enough to support two wide receivers in fantasy if Anthony Miller does take that leap forward. I think he's going to have plenty of usable weeks. He's going in the double-digit rounds in startups and redraft leagues. Um, I think he's a steal at that price. If you can, tra- you know, if you can trade for him at that kind of price, at that kind of price, I think you have to do it. Um, just because, I mean, he's a good player. I, I don't think anybody's ever said Anthony Miller is not a good player. He's a good player. He's got the opportunity for targets, and you know, he's flashed. He's flashed some upside in the past. Um, going to bring me to the running backs: Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery. I'm not real excited about either of these guys, honestly. Um, I think they're both good players. I want to start with Tariq Cohen. You know, obviously, great pass catcher could get a hundred targets this year. Um, in full PPR leagues, he's a you know he's a good target as a depth piece for your running back position. <clears throat> I mean, anything happens to David Montgomery, they would probably you know. I assume they would likely sign a free agent rather than just giving Tariq Cohen the entire workload. But I mean, his touches could go up. You know, he's especially in a full PPR league. I think the better value is with Tariq Cohen. You know, I know you rewind a year ago from now, a bunch of people like David Montgomery and I liked David Montgomery's opportunity more than I liked David Montgomery. I liked him okay, but so I I talk about this sometimes and you know David Montgomery I use pretty much as the poster child for this. Um so going into the combine, you know, the pre-draft process, listening to some of the film guys that I respect and, you know, really kind of put stock into their opinions. They all kind of echoed the same thing. They said that David Montgomery is a good tackle breaker. He's got good balance, balance, but he doesn't have breakaway speed. But, you know, he's he's great at breaking tackles. He's good in the passing game. He just doesn't have breakaway speed. And so basically there's a nice way of saying that he might be slow. Well, then he goes to the combine and runs a slow 40 time. So... You know, I I brought it up, you know, with I believe I believe John Bauer. We were talking about some running racks, and you know, I I fully conceded, you know, that you know, I do like to reference, you know, combine you know, metrics, forty times speed scores. I like to reference those stats, but I also fully understand that some players do play faster, you know. Uh, Devontae Freeman had a slow 40 time, but he never really looked slow on the football field. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, I've brought up his slow 40 time, but you know, I've ne- I never heard anybody in the pre-draft process say that he looked slow. And I fully believe that, 
you know, I'm mean, CJ Anderson, another one, slow 40 time, but he's been a productive NFL running back multiple times throughout his career. And I think David Montgomery is definitely better than CJ Anderson. Um, you know, I just, I don't have David Montgomery in my top 24 dynasty running backs just because I think the upside is very limited. I don't think that the starting quarterback for the future of the Chicago Bears is currently on the roster. You know, I don't know that they're going to be bad enough to draft one of these, you know, elite guys in the in the 2021 class. I don't know what that means, you know, maybe they sign a free agent next season. Maybe they go after Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, I'll talk about that later. Um, it's going to come up. You know, I'm dreading it. I really am. I I have my head in my hands right now. I'm not looking forward to the Green Bay Packers conversation. That's going to bring us to the next team, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, let's start. We got Matthew Stafford at quarterback, DeAndre Swift, Carryon Johnson at running back. We've got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Quintez Cephas at wide receiver, and the man TJ Hawkinson at tight end. Let's start at the quarterback position, Matthew Stafford. Um, I've talked about Stafford plenty on these airwaves. The dude's good. He's a good quarterback, um, especially for fantasy. He's an he's an awesome fantasy quarterback. Um, perennially underrated. Was on pace before he got injured to be a top five quarterback last year. Um, comes in this year with, I mean, the same weapons he had. Plus, you know, I'm not I'm not big on Quintess Cephas. I'll get into him a little bit, but you know, some people do like him. But come, he's got Quintess Cephas now. He's got. DeAndre Swift, he'll have Carryon Johnson back from injury, and TJ Hawkinson going into his second year. There's a lot to like about Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, I I've got no problem investing in Matthew Stafford um, in in Dynasty. Draft, you know, I did a super flex startup last year. I drafted Stafford as my quarterback too, and I fully expect you know a handful more years of great production out of him. Um. You know, he's got those wide receivers. He's got the ascending young talent in Kenny Galladay, who we all know and love. But, you know, let, let's talk about the wide receivers for a little bit. We've got, you know, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Quintez Cephas, Geronimo Allison, I don't care about. Like I said, Green Bay fan, I know how bad Geronimo Allison is. I'm not going to talk about him any more than I already have. Um Kenny Galladay, let's let's just start there, right? It's easy. He, I believe, was the number three wide receiver in half PPR last year, and that was without Matt Stafford. He's going to get his quarterback back this year. Um, great red zone weapon. I mean, the dude's a stud. He's going to get a bunch of targets. Detroit should throw the ball a lot. He's still a young dude. He's a great dynasty investment if you can get him. Um, especially, you know, in a startup, you know, I've, I know I've been preaching early round running back, but I recently, I recently did a redraft league where, I mean, you know, the players that got selected also had something to do with this, but I selected Kenny Galladay in the second round. Um, I still like my team quite a bit. 
even though you know, even though I've been preaching early round running back, stack up running backs early, you know, I think I mean I still walked out of the first six rounds with three running backs, I think. Yeah. I think it was the first five rounds I had three running backs. So um but I'm comfortable with having Kenny Galladay as my wide receiver one, I guess is a long-winded way of saying that Kenny Galladay should be a wide receiver one for 2020, should be a wide receiver one moving forward, especially as long as he has Matt Stafford. Um, you know, we saw what he did last year without him. He didn't really miss a beat. Um, you got Marvin Jones on the other side of him. You know, he's getting older, but... I mean, he plays a valuable role. He's going to have big weeks. I've, I haven't really been touting Marvin Jones as much lately on this show as I was when I first started it because, you know, I'm not. So I'm not. When I say this, this isn't me taking personal credit for it. But you know, dynasty, the fantasy football, you know, community, whether it's fantasy Twitter, dynasty Twitter. Um, podcasts, websites, what have you, we definitely have an influence on ADP because Marvin Jones' ADP is creeping up more so in redraft than Dynasty, but it's still creeping up in Dynasty as well. And it makes sense, right? Because if he plays, if he plays all 16 games, he's going to smash, especially where he was being drafted, you know, basically as a wide receiver four. <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna smash that. Um, he but I mean he was basically, you know I was taking Marvin Jones as my wide receiver five, you know and he's if he plays all sixteen games he's probably gonna be a top twenty four guy. Now I realize he's getting older. I realize, you know the hesitancy you know for Marvin Jones is that once you have him on his on your team. The value pretty much just goes down. You know, I mean, even if he comes out and has a great season in 2020, well, then he's another year older. So once you get Marvin Jones on your dynasty team, he's probably there. He's probably there for life. And you know what? That's fine sometimes. When you're, you know, as long as you can get him cheap enough, I think he's still cheap enough. You know, if you, you know, you can get three young wide receivers and then, you know, Get, you know, you can build the core of your team and then get Marvin Jones as an upside play. You know, if you're drafting your team and you like your chances to win in 2020, Marvin Jones can make that happen. Um, he can, or he can help that happen, you know, and, or let's say, you know, let's say you are close, you know, let's say you've got a good team, you know, you had your startup years ago last year, whatever. I mean, he's, he's not a bad trade target, you know, especially if you can get him cheap enough. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't give up like multiple usable pieces for him, you know, especially young ones, but I I mean, you know, I mean, it depends on your league. I'm not going to try to run down what I would and wouldn't give for Marvin Jones, but because it doesn't matter if in your league, if you can't make that happen, but I mean, there's not a whole lot not to like. Maybe, maybe you say he's too injury prone, but you know I've I've said this multiple times. Um, I don't know if I've ever said it on these airwaves, but 
basically if the only if the only negative on a guy is that he's quote unquote injury prone then he's probably a pretty good player right nobody ever accuses marvin jones of not being a good player the only negative thing people can say about him is that he gets hurt and that's being baked into his adp that's maybe being overcorrected into his adp and all he has to do is not get hurt and he'll smash that so i mean yeah i'm not i didn't mean to go on a big time marvin jones tangent but he's still a good dynasty value um he but he i mean he's a player when i see people reaching for i'm starting to get where i'm okay I'm okay not walking out of a draft. I'm okay walking out of walking out of a draft without him just because you know, if someone is taking him in front of me, that means they're reaching for him and you know, leaving a couple other players on the board that I like just as much and that are probably honestly a little bit younger. And it doesn't get much younger than the second year tight end TJ Hawkinson. Uh, we, I mean, we all know him as one of the better tight end prospects the league's seen in quite some time. Top 10 pick, you know, in the NFL draft. Came out last year, week one, lit the world on fire against Arizona. Everybody in redraft leagues went out and signed him, put him in the starting lineup, and then he just, can, you know, he proceeded to lay goose egg after goose egg. But, you know, that's kind of what happens with rookie tight ends. They don't usually produced that well, and he lost his quarterback, went through a little bit of a quarterback carousel himself. And, you know, I mean, let's just not, you know, this dude's an athletic freak. I mean, he's a great blocker, great in the passing game. If you can get TJ Hawkinson for cheap right now, do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm targeting TJ Hawkinson in pretty much all of my leagues, right? Um, you know, I don't know. I still think we need to keep, you know, we need to keep in the front of our minds that it's usually year three for tight ends. I know Mark Andrews did it in year two. We saw George Kittle do it, I believe, in year two. But... Yeah, I I I don't want those two players to skew, you know, a long history of, you know, it taking until year three basically for tight ends. So, you know, honestly, I would try to acquire T.J. Hawkinson for cheap right now. I mean, I would offer, I would offer Ian Thomas plus for Hawkinson. Um, I do like Ian Thomas quite a bit. I wouldn't offer. If you can get him for Ian Thomas in a late second, just because I don't really, I mean, the players going in the late second this year are just complete shots in the dark anyways. Um, if you can get Hawkinson for Ian Thomas plus a late second or a third or later, that's a good trade in my opinion, just because, I mean, Hawkinson has that draft capital. And even though I like Ian Thomas, you know, Look at the players that he's competing for targets with. They are all pretty much as young as he is, um, if not just a little bit older. Whereas TJ Hawkinson, 
I mean, Marvin Jones is in his 30s. You know, may, it might be, it might work out perfect where after the 2020 season, Marvin Jones steps away or is, you know, Marvin Jones in Detroit part ways and TJ Hawkinson going into year three will be number two on the target on the team in targets. And that's when we might see the real TJ Hawkinson breakout. If you can't get TJ Hawkinson for cheap right now, I would, you know, I wouldn't pay too much just because I'm not expecting him to be Mark Andrews in year two. I'm expecting him to look a lot more like most year two tight ends look. And, you know, there's a narrative in everybody's head that Matt Stafford doesn't utilize tight ends. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, I know Eric Ebron looked good for one year in Indianapolis, but, you know, he never really looked very good in Detroit. But, you know, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm a firm believer that the talent rises to the top, cream rises to the top. They drafted TJ Hawkinson in the top 10 for a reason. He's an all-purpose, well-rounded tight end. He's going to get a bunch of usage at some point, I'm sure. I just think it's probably going to be year three and not year two. So if you can't get him for cheap right now, you know, I would keep him in you know, keep him in the back of your mind. And then in the middle of the season, if he is not playing well towards the end of the season, if he's still not playing very well, you know, I think he's still a safe, a safe investment, you know, especially if his price goes down a little bit. That's gonna bring us to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, we've got Kirk Cousins at quarterback, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison at running back. We've got um, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson at wide receiver. We've got Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. at uh, at tight end. Um, oh, <laughs> let's. Let's run that back to Detroit real quick. Uh, the running backs, on Johnson, DeAndre Swift. You know, we, you know, we've all heard the quote, on Johnson himself said he doesn't view himself as a three-down back. And that's all well and good to say that, but then when the team goes out and spends a second-round pick on a running back that most people really love, some people had him as their RB1 in this class, um, I mean, that's, that's telling to say the least. Now, DeAndre Swift is going to get work to me. He is more valuable than carry on Johnson. I think it's being reflected in the ADP that way as well. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of arbitrage plays. You know, I've repeatedly said on these airwaves not to draft Nick Chubb, especially in redraft, but to wait and draft Kareem Hunt instead. And I don't feel that way in Detroit. I think the guy to go get is DeAndre Swift, not carry on Johnson. Um, I mean, if anything happens to DeAndre Swift, then carry on Johnson could be a great player. But, you know, we've seen his upside. We've seen him look really good um, on the field. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you can't stay on the field. You know, I'm not one to label players as injury prone, but sometimes teams do. And it seems like Detroit has deemed carry on Johnson injury prone. They went out and they got another second round running back. Um, 
you know, they keep investing in these second round guys, Amir Abdullah, Carrion Johnson, now DeAndre Swift. One of these guys ha has to hit, right? Maybe third time is a charm with DeAndre Swift. Um, I mean, I personally, with DeAndre Swift being as good of a prospect as he was and landing in this situation, I fully expect him to get the lion's share of the workload. Um, yeah, I don't think the arbitrage play is there. If you're in your startup or you're looking, you're looking to acquire one of these running backs, I would pay the price for DeAndre Swift before I paid the price for Carry On Johnson, just because I think the floor is higher with Swift and the ceiling is way higher with Swift. Now let's go to the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Got to get that phase shift in there, shifting over to Minnesota. I already mentioned the players that started the quarterback position. We've got Kirk Cousins. Um, obviously been pretty good, been a steady fantasy option for a long time, dating back to his time in Washington. And I know it was a bumpy ride last year. You know, they had some weeks, I believe week 10 or week one, they threw 10 total passes. Obviously, it wasn't fun to start Kirk Cousins in your fantasy lineup that week, but that's going to come down. I mean, they'll be throwing the ball more so than they were last year just because, I mean, when someone, when some, when a team is running the ball that much more than passing, you know, they still might run the ball more than they pass. I kind of doubt it, but the pass attempts are going to come up. You know, they drafted, they look, they lose Stephon Diggs. They get Justin Jefferson, um, Irv Smith Jr. is coming in to, I believe, his third his third year. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, I forgot, you know, which, I forgot which uh, draft class Irv Smith Jr. was in. Um, but, you know, he's got some decent weapons. Dalvin Cook can catch passes out of the backfield, assuming he signs. Adam Thielen obviously has been really good for the last few years. Justin Jefferson, a lot of people love. He is my rookie wide receiver too in the class over Jerry Judy behind CeeDee Lamb. I mean, just because we saw him be so good last year and his primary target competition will be 30. Um, you know, he's shown some injuries, you know, some soft tissue injuries even over the last year. So, yeah, you know, I think I think a year two breakout for Justin Jefferson is highly highly likely. Honestly, you know Kyle Rudolph might not be there in year two. Adam Thielen will be going into his age thirty one season. I you know I I don't really know that Adam Thielen's going to be a Larry Fitzgerald type, you know, a Julian Edelman type to play into their mid thirties. I mean, he might play, but I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one. You know, I think Justin Jefferson. Is clearly the more talented option, more explosive, higher upside player. And, you know, year two, you know, I don't know that I would call Justin Jefferson to be outscoring um, Adam Thielen in year two, but I think we're going to see a step toward that at least in year two. So I have no hesitancy investing in Justin Jefferson and Dynasty. If you can get Adam Thielen, you know, for cheap, you know, maybe you've got a contending team, you need a wide receiver, and you can get him cheap enough. That's fine. 
that's fine with me. You know, um, he's another player, you know, like Marvin Jones, though. Like, once you've got him on your team, he's there likely for the long haul. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going to really gain value now that, you know, He's only 29 right now. He'll be 30 in the season, but I feel like he kind of has the reputation of being older than that. And I mean, 30 years old, you know, most dynasty leaguers kind of cringe at the age, you know, at wide receivers, just players in general outside of the quarterback position, they're 30 years old. And so like I said, I've got no problem. I've got no problem acquiring Adam Thielen if I can do so at value. But I mean, it's going to have to be a pretty good value because you're you're investing in a depreciating asset at that point. You know, he's he's just going to decrease in value year over year. There's never going to be an increase. He's never going to be worth more than he is right now, essentially. And you know, like I said, I wouldn't pay. You know, I. You know, in redraft leagues, he's probably going as a wide receiver one, maybe high-end wide receiver two. I'm not going to pay that price for him in Dynasty League um, just because that's a little too much to invest in an asset that's only going to lose value. Even if he plays well, you know, he's not going to accrue value. And, you know, that's, you know, you can't take too many net losses, right? Like, I... I've traded for Julio Jones in Dynasty this offseason, but you know, it was one of those I think I got a great deal on him. You know, I I'm not, you know, what I gave up to get Julio Jones doesn't really affect my team that much because I had, you know, I had a lot of draft capital, I had a lot of depth, and you know, giving up some of that depth, you know, the, some of the low end depth, some of the you know, I threw in, you know, a, a, an early second round pick this year to get Julio Jones. And it's a contending team. You know, I, my team's awesome in that league. Uh, and so that's, I wouldn't give up anything like that for Adam Thielen is basically what I'm saying because Julio Jones has the upside to be the number one overall fantasy wide receiver. I don't think it's going to surprise anybody if he finishes, you know, as the number one fantasy wide receiver. Whereas Adam Thielen, you know, he's going to be, you know, the back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two type of guy. And that player doesn't really doesn't really move the needle. I'm not saying I don't want that player on my team, but he doesn't really move the needle for, I mean, for him to be worth what you give up, you're going to have to get him at a pretty steep bargain. So I want to talk about the running backs really quick. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. I was not an Alexander Madison fan coming into the NFL, but you know that that all changed when I saw him get meaningful snaps. Um, I immediately saw why people did like him. He is much better than I originally thought he was. Maybe that's why I'm not an NFL scout, <laughs> you know. But um, you know, or maybe you know. Maybe it's just a system, you know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to talk, I'm trying to, you know, make myself feel better, you know, maybe Madison, maybe it's somewhere in the middle, maybe Madison's better than I think he was, but maybe he's not as good as other people think he is, but, you know, maybe that system and that line and everything was just so good for the running game that, 
you know, most running backs would look good back there. That's what I'm going to tell myself anyways. Um, we got Dalvin Cook, obviously. He's slipping in draft position a little bit. Um, I'm finding myself to be super exposed to Dalvin Cook in redraft leagues and startups. You know, if I'm if I'm picking in the back half of the first round because I see him slipping there, you know, seven, eight, nine overall, and I just can't pass up that upside. Dude, he's he's so good. Uh, you know, he was what the number two running back in fantasy before his injury last year. And, you know, but here, here's my fear with Dalvin Cook is kind of what I brought up with on Johnson, right, is sometimes the team that they play for deem the player injury prone. You know, I know sometimes, you know, fantasy gamers label Dalvin Cook as injury prone. I tend to assume all running backs are injury prone, none really that much more so than the others. Um I mean, to an extent, but, you know, Alexander Madison did look good last year. And sometimes NFL teams do deem their own players injury prone. And so it's not going to surprise me if Alexander Madison gets, I'm not saying they're going to split touches evenly, but it's not going to surprise me if Alexander Madison gets a much larger share of the workload in 2020 than he had in 2019 just I mean because honestly it makes sense right I mean I know if I was the head coach and I had a team good enough to make the playoffs I would want to have both of those guys for my playoff run which means I wouldn't be overworking one right because I mean Alexander Madison produced when he got in there like I mean he looked good he looked like a good runner he looked smooth um Looked shifty enough. I mean, he wasn't Dalvin Cook level good, but he's good enough to where, you know, when you pull, if you pull Dalvin Cook off the field to give him a breather and put Alexander Madison in, you know, it's not like the difference, like in New York, when you pull, if you pull Saquon Barkley off the field, you're going to get Deion Lewis. You know, it's not that big of a gap. You know, it's honestly, it's probably more like, I don't know, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. You know, I think it's more even than we really want to think. Maybe not quite that even because, I mean, Dalvin Cook, I think, is one of the more talented running backs in the league. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't matter. Honestly, I mean, we all saw the stats, you know, whenever Le'Veon Bell was holding out a couple years ago and James Conner went in there and was tearing it up. You know, every game they would put up a graphic that – showed the Steelers points and yards and efficiency numbers with and without Le'Veon Bell and they were all higher without Le'Veon Bell than they were with him and you know I I mean you can you can decide what that means to you on your own but we have to we have to you know kind of let it be possible that the team sees that and the team puts stock into that. And, you know, if they're looking and saying, you know, we're not losing much, if anything at all, when we put Madison in there for Cook. So I don't think it should, it should surprise anybody if we see a lot more Madison than we want to see as Dalvin Cook owners. 
like I said, I've ended up with a lot of Dalvin Cook in redraft leagues, and <laughs> I'm shooting for the upside, obviously. Um, like, you know, I mean, not in the first half. You know, if I've got if I've got a top four pick, I'll pick Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott over Dalvin Cook. But when I'm seven, eight, nine, and Dalvin Cook's sitting there, I'm having a hard time passing up on him, which, I mean, I guess means that I'm really not that worried about Madison I have been making it a point to get Madison as well it feels kind of gross honestly I don't love because I mean I got to get Madison in like the eighth or ninth round and I don't really love it but I mean I feel better <laughs> you know I feel better in the couple of leagues that I have both Cook and Madison than I do in the leagues where I just have Dalvin Cook uh, that will bring us to the final team in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers. And let me just let me just pull something up real quick. <laughs> yeah, I gotta play the sad music. I gotta play the sad music for Green Bay. Because this is gonna get sad. You know, I'm not saying they are sad. I'm not saying they're gonna be bad in 2020. There's definitely going to be <laughs> this music. It's making me so depressed. <laughs> um, no, so let's just, okay, let's just run through it like we did the other teams. We got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. They drafted Jordan Love in the first round. <laughs> uh, Aaron Jones at running back. They drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. Uh Devontae Adams and freaking nobody else at wide receiver. Devin Funches, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro. And we've got Jay Sternberger at tight end. Let's start at the top with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously a transcendent talent. Obviously a great, great NFL quarterback. Um, he's been great for fantasy for just, I mean, year over year over year over year with less than you know, stellar wide receiver weapons. Uh, I mean, just these players come in, you know, he takes James Jones from the Raiders who wasn't doing anything, who was fumbling twice per reception. Yeah, that's a real thing. James Jones fumbled twice, I, I believe untouched both times on the same reception. He goes to Green Bay, Green Bay and scores a bunch of touchdowns, puts the, you know, puts the hoodie on under the shoulder pads, scores a bunch of touchdowns. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers makes throws that so many other wide or quarterbacks in the world can't make. Um, I still think he's, pre I mean, at least close to being as good as he ever has been. Maybe he's not Aaron Rodgers from three years ago, but I still think he's, you know, probably a top five talent at quarterback in the league, close to it at least. But. I mean, when we're talking about when we're talking about fantasy, especially dynasty in general, you know, I've mentioned this, I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I don't know what the future holds for Aaron Rodgers. And when you're investing in, when you're investing in, you know, skill position players on Green Bay, I think you need to weigh in the fact that Aaron Rodgers might not be the quarterback there in 2021. You know, he said himself. He always pictured himself as a guy who would play his whole career 
you know, for one team. And he said, now that's looking less like a possibility. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's him saying that it's out of my control. Maybe that's him saying that he doesn't really care anymore. He's just, he's going to go play where, you know, he's wanted, where he's going to be appreciated. And I wouldn't, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's arrogant. I think he's cocky and maybe he is. But we talk about human nature. I mean, like picture you, picture yourself at your job and all of a sudden your company prioritizes bringing somebody in. You know, they make it a point to, they overpay somebody, honestly. I mean, mean, Green Bay overpaid to go get Jordan Love. Your company overpays somebody to basically be an understudy to you, you know, how's that going to make you feel? (laughs) You know, you're, you're probably going to be a little pissed off, right? You're going to be a little irritated, you know, like that's just human nature. So, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers has actually kind of handled this better, more civil than I thought he would, maybe even better than I would personally. Um, but you know, when, that's I have Devontae Adams as my wide receiver three in Dynasty behind Michael Thomas, behind Tyreek Hill. And basically the difference between Thomas, or not Thomas, uh, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill is we know who Tyreek Hill's quarterback is going to be, at least for the duration of his contract extension. We don't know that for Devontae Adams. I, we hope it's you know we hope it's Aaron Rodgers. I I hope it's Aaron Rodgers just because Green Bay is so incompetent. You know I talked about this on the last episode or on the episode with John Bauer. Aaron Rodgers just fell into Green Bay's lap. You know they didn't make some super savvy intricate move to go get Aaron Rodgers. He was literally just there, and they selected him, and they've been succeeding ever since in spite of themselves. Now, you know, so Jordan Love is super raw prospect. He's got a lot of work to do. Maybe, you know, I guess they're trying to recapture what they did with Aaron Rodgers, where he sat under Brett Favre for a while and then came in and, you know, was nails. Maybe that's what they're wanting to do with Jordan Love. I kind of don't think it's going to work. You know, he's not particularly mobile. I know he's got, you know, kind of the strong arm, but he's kind of erratic and. You know, I don't know if you're not mobile and you're not accurate. You're definitely not worth the first round NFL pick. And, you know, I don't know. I think Green Bay is just going to look more and more incompetent, incompetent throughout this whole situation. If they do, in fact, part ways with Aaron Rodgers, because, you know, I've, I've mentioned this on the airwaves before, too. If, if Aaron Rodgers walks or, you know, if they part ways after the 2020 season, I can almost promise you that Green Bay is going to go spend a bunch of early round draft capital on pass catchers for Jordan Love, even though they never did that for their star quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. And we may end up having a Drew Locke type situation where there's a bunch of weapons around him. We all want to like the weapons, but the quarterback probably isn't good enough to, to deliver on their hype. Um, I mean, 
I mean, let's talk about the running back position too. They bring in, we all love Aaron Jones. He's been one of the most efficient running backs in the league since entering the NFL. And, you know, a lot of people are dismissing A.J. Dillon, you know, saying, well, he's not actually very good. He's not going to take any touches away from Aaron Jones. He's not going to take anything in the passing game away from Aaron Jones. All of A.J. Dillon's touches are going to are going to be what Jamal Williams' touches were. And that sounds good. I hope that's the truth, kind of. Be, I mean, the only reason I say kind of is because Green Bay drafted a freaking second-round pick. You know, they spent a second-round pick on the dude. So, you know, that pick better pay off, I guess. I mean, I mean, Aaron Jones is so good. But, you know, I've got Aaron Jones a little bit lower than consensus in my dynasty rankings. I believe I have him at 14 or 15. And that's because one, you know, whenever, you know, I've, I've brought this up before. When Matt LaFleur said that they wanted to get a third running back involved, you know, we all kind of dismissed that as coach speak because, you know, it is what it is, whatever. But then they go out and they spend second round draft capital on a running back when they don't have even a third round pick. They're, I mean, their next pick wasn't until two rounds later. And they went ahead and selected a running back. And it kind of makes sense because LaFleur came from Tennessee. His last season there was Derrick Henry's second half explosion in 2018. And A.J. Dillon is the closest thing. You know, six foot, 250 pounds. I mean, lightning fast for that size. So it kind of makes sense that he would want to try to recapture that magic. But I don't know. To me, I don't like A.J. Dillon because he's not really active in the passing game. He had a, a season at Boston College where he had 300 carries and zero receptions. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but so I'm, you know, and all the film guys that I listen to and respect kind of say he, yeah, he's 250, but he doesn't really play and break tackles like a 250-pound running back, especially one that's that, that's that fast. I mean, he doesn't look like Derrick Henry out there, even though he's basically the same size, maybe shorter, but you know, the same weight essentially. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of investing in either one of these players, especially with the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay. You know, I just think it's not that I don't think they're good players; they can be good players, but you know, I think you know around their ADPs, I think there's just safer options you know instead of Aaron Jones you can go DeAndre Swift who's going to have the same quarterback for a while you can go J.K. Dobbins who's going to have the same quarterback for a while you can go Austin Eckler who's going to have you know probably Justin Herbert for a while you know even if it's not this season you know it should be a more competent I mean these players are in more competent offenses than Aaron Jones is and are they're on more competent organizations I think I should say and maybe I'm just being too pessimistic um but you know I mean I don't I mean they should be if if Aaron Rodgers walk and let's not let's not forget that Aaron Jones is in the last year of his contract as well so even if Green Bay does re-sign Aaron Rodgers, they might let Aaron Jones walk, and there's no telling where he's going to end up the next year. So that's kind of my hesitancy on Aaron Jones, and that's kind of why I guess I like A.J. Dillon if he goes late enough. 
Um, it's going to bring me to the wide receivers, Devontae Adams, um, Alan Lazard, Devin Funches, Jake Kumaro. I mean, to me, it's really just Devontae Adams. You know, we rewind a year ago, and it was like, you know, a big-time duel. Who is it going to be? Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, who I believe is still there, or Geronimo Allison. Everybody kind of drew their line in the sand. There were some people like me that was just like, you know, I'll take whoever goes second. You know, I'll just wait until one of them goes off the board, then I'll take the other one. Turns out none. the correct answer was neither, I think, you know, the correct answer in 2020 will probably be neither just because Devontae Adams is going to command a bunch of targets. They're probably going to run the ball, I mean, in the top half, so the top half of the league. In rushing attempts, I'm sure. And they'll have some good games. You know, Alan Lazard had some good games last year. He'll probably score some touchdowns, have some good games this year. Devin Funches, you know, I believe he was a top four wide top 24 wide receiver for fantasy once upon a time he might be able to recapture some of that here in green bay but you know he is not really exciting i think alan lazard is a more exciting player than devin funches is at this point um you know both big guys but lazard's a little bit faster showed some rapport with aaron Rodgers last season you know he has been praised by aaron Rodgers in the media which you know, it's kind of a big deal, I guess, especially when Aaron Rodgers kind of has a reputation of berating his own players. You know, it's it's nice to hear him, you know, say something good about one of them. It's going to bring me to Jay Sternberger. A lot of people like Jay Sternberger at his value. I mean, the dude was a great tight end in college. He was awesome um, at Texas A&M. But, and normally I'm not one to say, oh, well, this quarterback doesn't use such and such position or this quarterback loves to use such and such position. I think a lot of times it's dependent on the player, but you know, I don't know, man, like, you know, Jimmy Graham, when he came to green Bay was coming off a pretty decent season in Seattle where he scored some touchdowns. But, you know, I remember saying then, well, we're going to find out, you know, is it the scheme or just is Aaron Rodgers really not like throwing to his tight ends? And I think it might, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is dropping back to pass and saying, oh, well, I'll literally throw it to anybody besides my tight end. But, you know, he's just, he's so good. He's so accurate that even, if, you know, Devontae Adams is mostly covered. He's got the confidence to still deliver the ball where it needs to be delivered. If one of the other wide receivers is, you know, further down the field than their tight end, which, you know, makes sense. Um, you know, he's got he's got the accuracy and the confidence to make that throw, you know, deliver it downfield. And so I think that's kind of where I think that's kind of where the hesitancy to throw it to the tight end comes into play. Obviously Aaron Jones has looked great as a pass catching option and, you know, He'll operate in a similar, you know, a similar depth, similar range of the field as a lot of the tight ends, you know, running wheel routes, running seams up the middle, you know, out of the backfield. Um, so I've, I've got no problem investing in Jay Sternberger. Sternberg, <laughs> why can I not say this dude's name? I've got no problem investing in Jay Sternberger at 
his current price. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't expect him to just return dividend after dividend on that investment, but you know, it's a low risk. It's a low risk investment. Um, you know, he could take that year two leap that we've seen some tight ends take. And if he does, I mean, if he's out there running good routes, if he's out there separating, he'll get some targets, I'm sure. And, you know, he, I mean, it, if he's getting targets from Aaron Rodgers, if he's getting regular targets from Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's not hard to be a top 12 tight end. And if you're not even a top 12 tight end, it's not hard to be a streamable option. You know, so if you've got one or two good tight ends on your dynasty team already, if you're doing a dynasty startup or whatever, you know, he's not a bad guy to have on the bench. Maybe they've got a good tight end matchup coming up. Your main tight end is on a bye. You know, I'm not saying Sternberger can't do it, but I'm just saying I don't think at this point with Aaron Rodgers or Green Bay and or Green Bay, at this point, I just want to see it. And I don't think Jay Sternberger is a good enough player to, even if he does come out and play well and performs as a bottom tier tight, you know, a low end tight end one, you're not really missing out on much. <laughs> Honestly, you know, like, these low-end tight end ones aren't guys that you really love to have in your dynasty lineups. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. I really made myself cut short on the Green Bay talk because it could have gotten really dark really fast. Um, I chose not to. I'm going to plea. I'm going to plea one more time, and this is going to be the last time probably you hear me. But you know, we want the football season. We got to have these COVID nineteen number you know case numbers going down in the immortal words of coach pat jones former coach of the oklahoma state cowboys if you don't wear a mask you hate football <laughs> i love that quote um that's gonna yeah like i said that's gonna bring us to the end of the show this has been the dynasty underground i've been your host Derek womack and as always thanks for listening